Are you ready? You better get ready. Get ready to dive into the heart of local sports action. Broadcasting live from the heartland of Missouri. Welcome to the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. Get set. Because it's time to catch up on the latest local highlights, in-depth analysis, and interviews from the Blue Deal and beyond. Here we go. And welcome in. It's the SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN Radio. That's 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at SEMOESPN.com. Clay Harrell, Rusty Hendricks here on the SEMO Scramble. And uh, Clay, how are we doing this morning, man? Doing good. I, I think we're supposed to get a little bit colder weather today than the last couple of days. But uh, Hey, for uh, February, I think we'll take it. Yeah, no complaints. 50 uh, degrees today, we'll take that. So, uh, yeah, it's been a busy week. We got... A lot of high school basketball. I've been out at SEMO baseball, SEMO basketball, high school basketball this week. So it's been a busy week. It's been busy. A lot of basketball going on. Of course, uh, the Cardinals get started today. We'll talk uh, about them a little bit later. The Blues have been playing well. Uh, also, City SC getting going this weekend, Clay. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm actually excited for, for that to restart. Uh, Finally got myself into soccer. This job has actually gotten me into soccer a lot, and I've actually enjoyed it. And now that St. Louis has a team, I've enjoyed that as well. And I guess the quest to to get back to the one seed starts today. Yeah, so that'll be fun following them this year. The Battle Hawks are going to be starting before too long. So this is a a fun part of the year for sports. Of course, March Madness uh, starts cranking up. You start uh, getting into the conference tournaments for, for college and obviously district action going on in high school hoops, and that's... That's where we're going to start, Clay. So uh, a big day here for championship day for high school hoops. I uh, do want to talk about some of the girls' action as they got take. Uh, they had got to play last night in Class 1, 2, and 3. Uh, we saw Delta getting the victory last night. And no, no real surprise there, Clay. Delta has just been dominant all year long. But uh, they get a victory over Oak Ridge, 97 to 27. Then in uh, Class 2, Portageville, you know, we talked last week, you know, I said that Portageville, I felt like, had a better chance than their boys to maybe make a postseason run, and, well, they, they get the big win over Zenith Hordersville, 80-32. to 32. So Portageville will play Neelyville on Monday in the sectional. By the way, Delta will play Chadwick on Monday in the sectional. And then in Class 3, uh, Saxony Lutheran, uh, gets a big win as they uh, defeat Scott City by seven points, 60-53. to 53. They will play Twin Rivers on Monday there, Clay. Any of those uh, teams or games stand out? You know, I think, um, sorry, I was also just checking. I realized, too, that the Class 5 brackets and stuff came out. So that I've realized that was uh, early this week. It felt like that got lost in the craziness. But, uh, no, I mean, I think Saxony, I think that'll be uh, – quite the game. I know they got back into uh, a class three this year and they kind of picked up where they left off. So uh, I think, you know, I think Chris Crawford does a great job with that team. And um, I think you're just seeing why he's so good of a coach in, in soccer and, and now in basketball. And, and uh, yeah, I think they're kind of getting hot at the right time. Well, let's talk a little bit about the boys districts as again, you know, last week we had the bracket set for classes one, two, and three. This week, 
we have the classes set in the district brackets as they will begin this week uh, for classes four, five, and six. So, and in the boys in class four, district one, the number one seed in that tournament is San Jin Dexter, the number two seed. You know, this is one where, boy, I don't know. I, I kind of flip a coin. I know St. Jen's had a good year. They're hosting, so maybe give them the edge. But I do like Dexter because they have the potential to shoot it really well. They have a lot of good shooters and a team that can get hot. And if they can do that, watch out and put a team on, you know, like St. Jen on upset alert. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you in terms of always kind of siding with the host. And, and not always, because if you look at, like, the, the North County district, I am not siding with North County in that district. But... Like in, in kind of a situation like this, yeah, I think you, I think St. Jen probably has the edge, but I don't think it's one of those things where if Dexter comes out and wins that district, I don't think anybody here is going to really be that shocked. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so in Class 5, District 1, this is the one that you just alluded to, the number one seed Sykeston, who, by the way, they just lost their first game of the year the other night against Father Tolton on the road in Columbia, 79, I think it was 79-72 maybe, yeah. double overtime. So tough loss for them, but... You know, maybe an eye-opening game a little bit as they get ready to go for district action just to show, hey, they're not invincible. You know, and I should clear up, that wasn't a shot at North County. It was just kind of stating the obvious with who's in that district. I, I almost I was thinking about this the other day. Like, obviously, you, you the goal is to win every game. But I almost wonder if, if Coach Hollifield was maybe, like, a little glad that Blessing they Blessing in like, disguise. Like, hey, like, you're not invincible. You, you can't roll, like, just think you can you kind of cakewalk through things. So, not that you want to lose, and I'm not saying that, Hollifield obviously is hoping they lose, but I think you could spin that as a positive. Your Hollifield, and that's obviously a guy who's a terrific coach and just picked up his 600th career win uh, this last week. So I, I think that could almost be a good thing for Sykeston. Um, you kind of faced a little adversity. You kind of saw what it's going to take to win uh, now in the postseason. And yeah, I mean, Cape Central is the two seed. I, I think Sykeston though is the favorite uh, clearly in that district. Don't look past Cape. Don't look past Cape. They always play Sykeston well, and Drew Church always seems to have an excellent game plan against the Bulldogs. So don't look past them, but they, uh, you know, they got to get there too. You know what the old saying is: it's tough to beat a team three times, and that's what Sykeston will have to do to to get by Cape here. Um, and the, to what probably it would be in a district championship game. So correct. Uh, if that is the matchup, and I think that's probably what everybody anticipates, it is tough to beat a team three times, and it'll be on a neutral floor for uh, I guess what the second of the three meetings. Uh, yeah, it would, it would be a rematch of last year's district title game at North County. And the roles are kind of reversed, too. That's right. You know, Cape going into that one, and everybody's thinking, oh, Cape's going to win state, Cape's going to win state, and nobody really gave Sykes as much of a chance. But I think uh, roles are reversed. And I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Cape won. I, I don't think many people would be shocked, but I think Sykes has just been very, very impressive this year. Absolutely. So. That should be fun. Classified District 1, again, that's at North County. You have Bluff, North County, Hillsboro, DeSoto, Farmington, Festus in that district as well. And then Class 6, District 1, uh, it's going to be tough. You know, Jackson's had an excellent year, Clay. They have the number 2 seed. Corjusu uh, is the, I'm sorry, Cardinal Ritter is the number 1 seed in that district. And Cardinal Ritter, they are another animal. I mean, they are locked and loaded. They're a team that, I would not be surprised if they won the state championship in Class 6. So that's going to be tough. But Cardinal Ritter, the number one seed, Jackson 2. Lindbergh, you know, if, if they can beat Sekman Jackson in their opening round game, they got to face a very good Lindbergh team in the semis. So it's going to be a tough road for the Indians. Yeah, and uh, this is more. This has more to do with, it, to me, like with how good Cardinal Ritter is. And like that's why I'm going to take them in this district. Like It, it is going to be 
very, very tough to to not pick that team because if I'm not mistaken, they won the Class Five state title last year. Correct? I'm pretty sure. Let me look. Um, regardless, I mean, like that is a team that is loaded, I mean, correct. talented. So it's like kind of hard to pick against them, especially after they won the state title last year. And again, it has nothing to do with Jackson. They've had a great season, and I, I mean. I think if they played their best game, they could give Cardinal Red a run for their money, but it would just be tough to beat a team like that. They have a, a ton of games outside of the state of Missouri for Cardinal Ritter, but you know they've beaten teams like Helias Catholic, CBC, um, you know, Borgia, who's a very good team. You know, Borgia is one of the top teams in Class 4. They beat them 56-27. I can't remember who I was talking to, and if you have their schedule in front of you, somebody was saying that, they go and play a bunch of like schools out of Missouri, and that's why I don't think their record looks like a no, team. They're that, fourteen and eleven, but they're undefeated in the state of Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. And they they beat Whitney Young out of Chicago. They beat them sixty five sixty three. They defeated Whitney Young. So I the thing is is like yeah, their record. You probably look at that, and that's not you wouldn't think oh that's a state championship team, but they're undefeated in the state of Missouri, and they really do a good job of of priming themselves for a deep run at this time of year. So again, that's a tough one there. So let's turn to the girls, Clay. In classes four, five, and six. So in class four, district one, uh, you know, I, th- I think both of us agree that two teams will probably see, you know, a rematch in the district title game in which they faced off earlier this year. And that is Donovan, the number one seed, Notre Dame, the number two seed. Those two seem destined for another rematch. Yeah, we're I guess the the finals of that that game will be next Friday night, so we're less than a week away from that and you, like you said, we both I think everybody kind of assumes that'll be the matchup and this time it'll be on Notre Dame's home court if that's, that's right. where we get to. So, uh it was a good game the last time they met and I I two point of, game in overtime. I anticipate it being that again if they meet. Yeah, so Donovan undefeated uh regular season record 24 and 0. And so Donathan, the number one seed, that should be fun between Notre Dame. And then Class 5, District 1, the number one seed, Farmington. In that district, they are um, the favorite. You have Cape, number six seed, Sykeston, number four seed in that district. So, um, I don't know, maybe someone could try to find a way to knock off Farmington. I think Sykeston could do it. I, I saw them play the other day, and they, they play a pretty good style where they like to get out and uh, get in transition, and it wouldn't shock me if they knock off Farmington. I know Farmington's had a very, very good year, and that's a pretty good district as well. There's some good teams uh, in that district. I was talking to Capes coach Aaron Lee about it uh, on Monday and just talked about for them, it's just a lot of like controlling the controllables is what he said, and obviously I think it's easier said than done, right? Like There's a lot of things that you can control in the game of basketball, so uh, for that, that'll be the key for both Cape and Sykes, and I think just kind of control what you can control and the rest will work itself out. Then in Class 6, District 1, we have the number one seed, Corjasu, and uh, Jackson, number four seed, Bluff, the number eight seed. Jackson's, you know, a solid team, but I don't know, do you think they have a chance to get out of the district? I don't know, they're going to have to face uh, them in the in the uh, semifinals. Yeah, it'll be tough to get past Corjasu. Uh, obviously, they were supposed to play, I guess, what, a couple weekends ago when right, the, got canceled. the pop-up ice snowstorm kind of kind of maybe threw things off some, I mean, maybe that could be to Jackson's advantage. You know, they haven't seen you, but it also could be to Corey Zoo's advantage as well. That you haven't had to play Jackson. So uh, it's always a good game, I feel like, when those two meet, and it feels like they meet a lot in the postseason setting. So, like, uh, you know, only time will tell. All right, so Corey Zoo, the number one seed in the girls' districts for Class 6, District 1. All right, so let's turn to today, Clay. Today is District Championship Day in classes one through three for the boys. Again, we saw last night 
the district championship for the girls. We just went over that a little bit ago with Delta, Portageville, and Saxony Lutheran becoming district winners in their respective classes. So in Class 1, District 2, we're focusing on Risco and Richland. Number 1 seed Risco, number 2 seed Richland. Uh, I know last week I said I thought Richland, I thought they could pull up the upset. We almost saw Leopold defeat uh, Risco as they you know, gave all gave them all they wanted in the semis. So what what do you think about that game? Yeah, I mean, I it'll be a good game. I think that's kind of we've talked about this district on a couple occasions the just throughout the season and I think we've always thought it comes back to Risco and Richland and I think every time I've taken Risco so I can't change up now on championship Saturday. By the way, Cooter is playing Clarkton in class one, district one, and again in class one district two. Risco against Richland, so that's at 2 p.m. today for the district championship. Then in Class 1, District 3, you have South Iron, the number one seed, as they defeated Lesterville in the semis, 81-42. They'll take on Oak Ridge, who they were the number three seed. Bunker was the number two seed, and Oak Ridge that got was the past best them, 71-68. If you've seen the video on social media, it was, what would you say, about a three-quarter quote oh, shot? Yeah, it was the best shot I've ever seen. That was amazing. That was awesome. Uh, so a, a shot at the end there. It was a tie game, 68-68. As you know, Oak Ridge was was up. Correct. Bunker hit it. Hit a uh, shot into the paint there. <laughs> seconds winding down. Oak Ridge was able to grab it. Quick outlet pass on the sideline, and then chucked it again. About three quarter court, and and it went in. And that's how Oak Ridge won. From what I heard, I think Oak Ridge was up twenty in that game too. So I okay. I feel like they probably. That shot probably felt pretty good going in because you probably didn't want to go to overtime after being up twenty. <laughs> so then, in, uh, but again, they got to face off against South Iron, a very very good team, at around two p.m. again today in Class Two District Three. The number one seed Puxico, they will take on the number seven seed, the Cinderella team Advance. They'll play their game today at one p.m. Advance with a couple of upsets in their district. You know, we talked to Bryant Fernetti. I know you're looking at me because I'm getting excited. No, Rusty. Last week we both picked Puxico, and now that his Advance horns are in, I think his pick is switching here. Everybody, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if the the Cinderella story continues for them, but. Uh, Again, the number one seed, Puxico. We talked to Bryant Fernetti last week, and um, again, they're going to be a tough out. So, look, it's a rematch. We talked about it a little bit last week. It's a rematch of the 2007 district title game in which Advance was favored. Puxico, uh, who had lost to Advance earlier that year, and uh, of course, it was Puxico getting the victory back in 2007. I'm still waiting for somebody to send me the footage of Rusty Hendricks playing high school basketball, and I still haven't got it, so. Another week, I'm asking for it. So, you're gonna have to uh, try to find the, the old V8, VH, <laughs> VHS <laughs> tapes uh, back then, buddy. Uh, so, by the way, in that semifinal win for Puxico, Clay, I do want to mention this. Uh, they defeated Oran. It was the final game, and head coach Joe Shoemaker's uh, career uh, Shoemaker compiled. And and this is, to my best recollection, this is um, what I was able to find for his. Uh, career numbers, but 376 wins, 183 losses, a 672 winning percentage in 20 years, uh, leading the two schools in Oran from uh, 2008 through uh, 2024, Advance Hornets from 04 to 2008, and his 2016-17 Eagles team was the Class 2 state champion. Of course, his son was on that team, while the 2018-2019 was the Class 2 runner-up. Uh, his Oran teams made four, made, I'm sorry, yeah, four Final Four trips 
and been district champions uh, seven times through 2020. He notched the Class Two District Three Championship with the Hornets uh, in 2006. That was during their uh, Final Four appearance as well. So want to give a shout-out to head coach Joe Shoemaker on an excellent career as a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. I've had the privilege of talking to him a couple times the last couple of years um, at the Christmas tournament, things like that. That's mainly where I where I see him the most and just always very generous with his time and always uh, willing to talk. And so, yeah, congratulations on a heck of a career. All right. So, again, so Bucks go in advance, Class 2, District 3 at 1 p.m. Then in Class 3, Clay, the number one seed, uh, New Madrid County Central taking on the number two seed Malden. That's going to be at 7 p.m. tonight. But uh, New Madrid and Malden should be a fun one as Malden able to make it to that championship game. It was had a good winning over East Prairie to get there. Look, they're a talented team. They're not very. They don't have a lot of depth. So we'll see uh, if they can find a way to get past uh, Jadis Jones and, and company there. Yeah, it's going to be a tough hill to climb. But uh, yeah, I'm going to ride with New Madrid on this one. All right, then in Class 3, District 2, Charleston, the number one seed, Notre Dame, the number two seed. That'll be at 2 p.m. Uh, this afternoon. And so Charleston able to get past Scott City the other night. Notre Dame was able to, to win over Kelly. And a fun atmosphere there at Notre Dame. So we'll see. You know, it's funny because both of these teams enter this game, Clay, with losing records. Losing records. And one of those teams is going to be a district champion. You know, if – Charleston can win today, Clay. It'll be the 14th consecutive district title for the Blue Jays. I mean, consecutive. Consecutive. So that means 14th consecutive means I would have been what, like nine years old when that that streak started. <laughs> That's pretty cool, actually. And the one loss so that was in uh, let's see, 2017, I believe, if I my memory serves correct. Uh, they were also in the district championship game, but they lost that game um, as well. But they were at least in it. So they've been in the district championship game for I don't know how long, but a pretty amazing run for them. Notre Dame trying to win their first district title since 2020. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see. That'll be a fun one today. You'll have the call. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be a fun one today. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll talk more about that coming up as we'll talk with head coach Jeremy Brinkmeyer and get his thoughts on uh, the district championship matchup. That'll be coming up at around 9.30. His wife, uh, Meredith Brinkmeyer, joining us as well, getting you know a different look as she is also a coach for Notre Dame Regional High School. But next, Clay, we're going to talk to Roy Booker. That name sound familiar? Well, uh, he used to play for the Red Hawks at SEMO. He used to play there in the 05-06 season. Uh, he, set, he was the leading scorer on that uh, team for SEMO, and obviously now he's doing a lot of th cool things in the area. He is the head coach for SEMO Prep Basketball, so we're going to talk to him next, and should be a fun interview, get an idea of what's going on in SEMO Prep, and just a, a different look here in local sports. So stay with us. We'll be right back. We're going to take a break, talking things over with Roy Booker, coming up right here on the SEMO Scramble. Welcome back in. It's the SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN Radio. That's 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at SEMOESPN.com. Clay Harrell of the Southeast Missourian. I'm Rusty Hendricks, and we're happy to be joined on our hotline 
by Roy Booker, former SEMO basketball player, and he is now the head coach for SEMO Prep. So, Coach, how's it going? How's this year been going for your team? Get us up to date. What's what's going on with SEMO Prep? Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me. Uh, yeah, uh, the SEMO Prep, our program, we, we actually been having a real real solid year. Uh, we probably at about 500, 15 to 15 uh, been traveling a lot of different places, a lot of different states, playing great competition. Obviously, you know, we played uh, Link Gear Prep, Preparatory School, which is a top five prep student in the nation. We played Arise Prep out of Ohio. So we play a lot of different type of preps uh, in a lot of junior colleges, Three Rivers, John A. Logan. We actually have a game today against Lewis and Clark Community College. So, as, yeah, as of right now, uh, we got about 10 guys on the team. Um, all of our guys got scholarships offers right now, or I think besides one kid so far. So we're doing we're doing pretty good. We're right on target. Our goal is to get all ten kids to college, and we uh, we about at ninety percent right now. But I'm I'm confident enough. That I think we'll get all ten guys to college this year. Coach, could you? I know we've talked about it in the past, and I've done a couple stories on it. But for people that maybe aren't familiar with your program, could you just talk about kind of? what your recruiting process is like and kind of how you handle uh, bringing in players to your program? Uh, so the process, so first of all, we get we get kids from all over the world. Uh, obviously, I live, you know, I lived across seas for a while, so I have connections over there. So we usually get kids from overseas also. This year I got a kid from Germany and uh, in London. Uh, so that, that that right there alone is, you know, that shows, you know, that that we got we got a we got a good thing going here because we get kids from Australia everywhere. So now our program is, is starting to get a little bit, but nothing is easy, but it's not as hard as as hard as it was when we first started five four or five years ago, because we got we had to go out to events. Every parent, every player, the CMO prep would be the place for you to come. But now, you know, from our work, everyone is starting to see it now. So now we're starting to get calls from coaches and parents because they see, you know, they see what we're doing is working. They see our kids are getting better. It's a great program. Uh, so people are people just starting to come now. Like, for instance, right now, I probably have 13 kids committed already for next year, and our season our season is still going. That's and I pretty- never I never I never had this many kids committed uh, so early. Uh, before March come, I never had 13 kids. Usually. I'm about I'm about at about a seven or eight during this time. Right now, I think we have thirteen or fourteen kids, and next year we're gonna have a we're gonna have a we have more talent coming in. We're gonna have a better team next year. That's pretty awesome, Coach. Give us you know yeah. a few players that maybe are, are standing out on your team. You mentioned that uh, about ninety percent of them are already you know gotten some serious looks and, and for yeah. for schools. So so give us a, a couple of guys that have stood out and been making their mark this year. So I got I got a kid from uh, Dallas, Texas, a kid named uh, Matt Matt Hampton, that uh very 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 talented, very talented. Uh, he may be my most skilled kid I've had in the last four or five years. Six uh, four, very very highly skilled, long arms, forty uh, three inch vertical. He's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of static. Like uh, just about every junior college in the nation wants him. He got he getting D two offers. University of Missouri St. Louis offered him about two months uh yeah, about two months ago. Uh D two down in Texas offered him. 
He's getting a lot of static. He just got offered yesterday by the top junior college in New Mexico. Um, and I, I bring, I'm trying to bring him in for like a workout with Seymour, a private workout. Uh, but you know, when they start getting to that, to Division One, a lot of politics started coming. I, I think this, the kid is definitely good enough to play a Seymour. So I, you know, I just let a couple of coaches know, you know, you might want to take a look at this kid uh, because he got he got two or three Division Ones right now calling. Uh, Florida Coast Union College. I mean, a Division One school, Florida Coast, Western Illinois. So we, no one has offered him yet at Division One, but I'm I'm very confident that he probably get an offer before before April. Coach, he is very very good. Um, over the last three seasons, you've coached ends up kind of maybe being two teams of eleven players, and you sent over forty kids on scholarships. How big is that for, like you said, having so many players committed already for next season? All right, yeah, it's, it's very big. It's very big. Uh, this year we had scaled back. This year we only had ten because we wanted. We got a couple of other moving parts we're working on. Uh, we got some good things that we're working on, and uh, so next year we'll go back to two teams. Uh, the year before, I think we had eighteen out of twenty kids go. The year before that, I think it was another uh, roughly nineteen out of twenty. This year we'll probably get all ten. So. It's, it's going real good. And, uh, so what we try to do is, man, when we recruit kids, we try to get the kids that we that we can see the upside in. So, you know, credit to, to the coaches also because my coaching staff and people who work with me because when we see kids, we got to be able to see what they got, right? Because if, if a kid come here and we don't send them to college, then the program, after one year, it'll go down to the ground. But once the program, once it's doing what it's supposed to do, you know, it, it, it'll stay rolling. It's like a Ferris wheel that just keep going and going. But, like, if it's – let's just say we get 10 kids and I send two to college. It's going to be hard to convince a parent and a kid to come to our program next year, right? But if we got a program, we got 10 kids and all 10 go to college on scholarships, that ain't – like like I said, that proves in the pudding. I don't got to do too much convincing. You know what I mean? So that's that's where we at right now. And I'm, I'm really excited, man, because this is a, a great way to help to help the, the youth, the young kids. Uh, prep schools was out when I was playing, but it wasn't as popular. Right now it's very, very popular, especially with all these kids at the bigger schools. They get all these extra years. They come out of college at 24, 25, 26. This is another route for the kids to come out of high school to go somewhere, get stronger for a year, get better, and get their recruitment, recruitment up. So that way when they get to college, they're ready. You understand? So I think it's a win-win for everybody. So talking things over with Roy Booker, again, he is the head coach for SEMO Prep and a former Southeast Missouri State basketball player as well. And on your website, you, you list you know Southeast Missouri Preparatory School as a postgraduate preparatory program on the cutting edge of athletic instruction and uh, exposure. The goal is simple, to help our players play at the college level while also helping them mature into adulthood. So obviously it seems like you are nailing that right on the head. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about your playing days at SEMO, Coach. Uh, you led the 05-06 team in scoring. What are some of your greatest memories at SEMO? You know, look, you obviously had that um, experience. You're wanting your, your kids that you're coaching to have that college experience as well. So what are some memories that stand out for you? Um, when I was at CMO, I just remember the com- the competitive nature and just uh, being with the guys and the coaching staff. I remember a lot, man. And uh, I try to tell the kids, you know, 
my boys, once you know, once the ball stops dribbling, it stops dribbling, man. So don't take no practice for granted, no shooting drill for granted, no individual workout for granted, no weightlifting for granted. Don't because I, I never cheated myself. And uh, about me not cheating myself, I feel like God blessed me with a long career. Uh, I got to travel 22, 23 different countries just to play ball for 15 years. So I had a, I had a great career, and I think the reason I did that it wasn't because I was born with all this crazy talent. I just, you know, I was born with enough talent that God gave me and I made myself better by working. So I just try to tell kids, man, just, you know, you got to you gotta put the work in. And all my kids, we work. That's, that's a, you know, that's the reason why we get to college also. We don't, we, our kids are not lazy. We don't just go in there, you know, we don't work. I push, I push them to the end, I push them to the end too. I push all my kids. Because that's the only way I know, you know what I'm saying? I'm old school. Uh, the new generation look different than the generation I grew up in. So I believe in that discipline from working hard and, you know, going out there and, comp- and, and competing and not bagging down. So I try to install that into all my kids. And it, it works. It works. Because, you know, at the beginning it's a little different for them, but by the end of the season they all play with, like, with chips on their shoulders. They all have my personality on the court before the season over. And, that, and that's what I want because I want them to be tough. I want them to be disciplined. I want them to work hard. Uh, but in my FEMO days, I remember, I remember playing against Illinois the most. And uh, Rusty, I can tell you about that. Uh, when they was, I think they was top three, top four in the nation, and it was on ESPN. And uh, I just remember playing that game. I, I, we lost. But I remember playing that game. Uh, I knew I could play with those guys, but it was a big team, man, big team. And I, st- I stood out. I stood out. I was a, you know, I think I was the best player on the court that game, and I just stood out. It was on ESPN, so when I came back, all my family and friends seen it. And then once I seen everybody's reaction, I, I already I knew then I can I can play I can play this game for a long time or at the next level somehow. So that game stood out the most to me because it was twenty thousand people in the stands. So it was so loud you couldn't even hear the ball dribble. Uh the whole background was orange. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like my probably my biggest uh, college moment I remember the most. Just just thinking about it, I just I just remember how loud it was in there. Coach, just last thing I got for you, you know, tell people where they can come catch you guys play. You know, how can they, you know, find things out about your program and just kind of, you know, give your give your program a plug here. Yeah, yeah. So you know, to find out more about our program, you you can go to cmoprep dot com on the internet. Uh, follow us on Twitter at cmoprep. Follow us on Instagram at Simo Prep and on Facebook it's Simo Capital M Capital B Capital B. You can just follow our journey. Uh, we get down to the uh, the last part of the season. Like I said, we play Lewis Clark today. Then we go to Memphis at, to play March first, second, and third at a, a prep school tournament that Tennessee Prep hosts. And then we look and we may have this tournament in South Carolina that just popped up uh, March the thirteenth and fourteenth. So that's not that's not locked in for sure. It's just a tournament we probably add in at the end. So uh, yeah, and that's about it, man. And then you know it's back to recruiting, getting ready for next year. All right, well, coach, good luck the rest of the way, and keep getting these guys scholarships. All right. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Hey, thanks so much for the time this morning. Appreciate it. Okay, blessings. All right, that is head coach Roy Booker, and again the former Southeast Missouri State. Basketball player, one of the best ones to come through, uh, SEMO as well. Roy Booker's appreciate his time for SEMO prep. And 
you know, I, I believe they played some some of the home games at the Sportsplex, correct? Yes. So, um, yeah, if you haven't checked them out, go go search on uh, you know semoprep.com on you said on social media as well. So, um, doing some good things for kids. Again, it's a preparatory program for for kids post graduate of high school into college and looking to get them into scholarships. Maybe they didn't get recruited as highly out of high school, but uh, an opportunity for them to maybe get going here down the road. No, and, and Coach Book is correct. He, and sh- I mean, shout out to him also for joining us this morning. He's been always always been great to me. Uh, uh, anytime I need an interview or want to do a story, he's always very willing. Uh, so very much appreciated uh, for that. But I went last year when kind of SEMO prep got on my radar and like I was going to do a story, I went and, and met Coach, uh, Coach Book out at the Sportsplex. So I caught the end of a practice. He's not lying, man. They they get after it, and that that's scrimmage awesome. that I got to see them play, it was fun to watch. Like they they are very talented, and so he's doing a terrific job with that program. All right, good stuff from Roy Booker. Hey, we're going to talk to head coach Jeremy Brinkmeyer of Notre Dame and his wife Meredith. They're coming up next, and we'll talk about the district championship. We'll preview that with him of Charleston and Notre Dame. That's coming up later today at two p.m at Notre Dame Regional High School. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. It's the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. with 23 points for the Bulldogs. 51-44. Johnson, a deep three. Bang! Colton Johnson hits another one. Dollins forces it up. Not a good shot. Johnson able to run down the board. Here is Colton Johnson. Crossover. Dollins falls down. And Johnson scores. He put Dollins on his back. That will do it. Kelly will not foul, and this clock will run out. Final score, Notre Dame 69, Kelly 59. It's a wrap. It's in the books, and the championship is set. It'll be Charleston and Notre Dame at Saturday at 2 p.m. All right, that's how it sounded on Thursday night. Clay Harrell, Rusty Hendricks here in the SEMO Scramble. And talking things over with uh, Jeremy and Meredith Brinkmeyer as they are both coaches for Notre Dame Regional High School. Of course, the head coach for the boys' basketball team, Jeremy Brinkmeyer, head coach for the volleyball team, Meredith Brinkmeyer. So, guys, we are happy to have you on here this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right. I'll start off with you, Jeremy. Look, obviously, a district tournament championship here today at Notre Dame Regional High School against Charleston so how big of an advantage is it to be able to play on your home court for the district title? You know, I think there obviously are, you know, some good things about it. Obviously, you know, you're used to the shooting background. You're used to the environment. You're used to all that stuff. And it obviously does does play a part in, in making the kids more comfortable. Um, you know, and especially in high school sports, you know, the more comfortable and more relaxed you can get the kids, the more they're going to play to their abilities. Uh, so it definitely helps. But, you know, I've also been around long enough where, like, it, it does help. But, you know, once the game gets going in the mid-flow, you know, you kind of you know, you know, end up blocking out where you're at and you're just focused on what you're doing. So, um, you know, we can't just rely just on, you know, we're playing at home. You know, we've we got a tough opponent tonight with a great coach, and uh, we got to make sure we're locked in and, and doing all the things that we're supposed to be executing because, uh, you know, it, it, 
it just kind of negates, you know, all the stuff of playing at home if we don't execute. Jeremy, did uh, when you opened the season, did you think you'd be seeing Charleston for the fourth time at this time of year? Yeah. Well, no, because, you know, we honestly, we thought we were going to be class four, um, you know, uh, but with, you know, enrollment and all the, you know, the different stuff. So, you know, we honestly weren't expecting to be in class three. Um, and so, you know, yeah, obviously we did not expect to see Charleston four times. And, you know, it, it's definitely bizarre. You know, we played them basically like two times within the first two weeks of the season, the Christmas tournament. And now we're ending it with Charleston. So it's definitely bizarre. It's not something we expected. But, you know, in high school sports, you you come to expect the unexpected. You know, I guess it kind of maybe cuts out that feeling out process maybe that happens in a championship game. So for you guys to come away with a win this afternoon, what needs to happen? You know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. You know, the main thing is, you know, we've got to know where Owens is at at all times. Um, I, I, Rusty can tell you I, I think so highly of that young man, uh, not only as a basketball player but as a leader. Um, and he does a great job for his team. And he handles the ball well. He shoots well. He rebounds well. He plays good defense. we got to know where he's at at all times. Uh, and the main thing is, you know, just like always when you play a good team like Charleston, you know, you got to try to keep him out of the paint and you got to rebound. Um, and then, you know, the biggest one of all is we got to value the ball. Uh, if we can do those things, we have a shot. Um, if we don't, it's going to make it a lot harder. Um, and, you know, that's something we've been doing decent the last couple, like last month or so. Um, so hopefully we can continue to focus on those things tonight. All right. I want to ask Meredith a question here, guys. So, uh, the volleyball team, second place, a runner-up in the Class 3 District 1 this year, had an excellent year, uh, 24 victories. And you got a lot of good players coming back next year as well. But uh, So w- w- talk about a little bit about the season that you had on the volleyball squad and what maybe you have in the future. And then also I want to ask about how, how the dynamic is between the two of you guys and, and how much do you bounce ideas and bounce things off of each other. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we have we'll have a lot returning. We've we've been young the past uh, season. Um, we had a we had a good year, um, a lot of wins, but we still have a lot of growth that we can do. Um, I think I think the girls are are starting to figure out just kind of how to be leaders when they're that young. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to this next season just with with what we have returning um, and kind of that. They they got that grit and grind to want to win districts again, um, so I mean I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it, um, and can't really wait for the season to get started. Um, but yeah, as as two coaches in the household, we definitely do bounce ideas off of each other, um, just with different ways to handle a different style of kid, um, just kind of getting thoughts off of each other. I mean. Jeremy's never played volleyball, but he still has that coach's mindset of, hey, maybe maybe look at this. Or, I mean, we do a lot of scouting together. I mean, we watch basketball games on top of basketball games during basketball season. Um, so it, it is fun. And um, just to kind of have somebody that has that coach's mindset next to you, and um, you can really learn a lot of stuff. So – in a hypothetical world, if Jeff Gravitt came to you guys and said, you know, you guys have to coach together, is Jeremy going to coach volleyball or Meredith, are you going to coach basketball? Um, I think we would be better off me coaching basketball <laughs> just because I did play basketball in college. Um, so, yeah, I would say I would probably move over to the basketball world. <laughs> Who's the better coach? Oh, uh, I, would, Put you on the I spot. would definitely say he, would, he is for sure. 
Uh, well, I'm, I guess to, to make sure that I can sleep, you know, not on the couch. There you tonight, go. I would say there you go. A better coach. So we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> so how how do you guys balance that that coach life balance the home life? I know you got a couple little ones at home, and I think you probably got games this morning. So how do you guys balance that? We don't. Um, <laughs> you know, we're we're running on fumes most of the times. We're we're running around with like crazy people. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, like you know, I grew up. My dad was a football coach, a basketball coach, baseball coach, and it was kind of the same way. And, and when I look back at my childhood, like the things that I remember the most are, you know, going on Friday nights with my dad to games, and you know going to practices and, you know, all that different stuff. And, and when I think of my childhood, that's what I think of. And, and that's what I hope that our kids think of is, is not only the memories they're making with us, but, like, you know, the other cool part is to see our, our players interact with our kids, you know. Um, like, you know, you know, Rusty, you've seen my kids. They're crazy. They're just running around. And, um, you know, Meredith's players are my players. will run and chase them and, and, you know, play with them and, uh, you know, and then come tell me how crazy they are. Uh, you know, and so that that's the stuff that you know we're 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 focused on is we're building memories with them, and uh, you know, you know, because a lot of people ask us like, how do you do coaching? You know, separate it, and we don't. We just we you know intermingle it and you know put it together because we look at our teams like family. You know, I mean, I, I think all of those boys that we're going to you know go into the district championship with tonight are are my sons, and my wife looks at all of her all of her players as their daughters, and and you know and so like when when people ask how we do it, we just you know they're just part of our family, and we just inter, intermingle them together, and we just go together. It definitely takes a village, I would say. We definitely get a lot of help from my parents and Jeremy's mom, and just our kids' friends, parents, and so yeah, like you said, we we have two basketball games with my daughter today. She has a volleyball tournament tomorrow, so um, we. It, it definitely takes a village, and we have a we have a great one behind us. Yeah, you know we have great friends. Like you know, my daughter's going to miss the miss the championship game because she's got a game, and you know they're going to take care of her, and you know, and, and bring her to the game afterwards. And uh, we're just we're just very blessed to have great people in our lives uh, to help us not only raise our kids, but just to, to help us survive. <laughs> when did you guys realize that? I'm assuming maybe early in your coaching career that you maybe try to separate the chaos. When did you realize that maybe it's best just to embrace kind of the chaos that comes with the coaching lifestyle? Um, you know, I think it, it, like I said earlier, it kind of comes from, you know, just my growing up, you know, in a coaching household is just kind of the norm. You, you just kind of roll with it. Um, and I'm just a huge believer in sports, uh, teach great life lessons. And I want my kids around it as much as possible. So, uh, you know, so they learn as many, you know, life lessons as they can. Um, but, you know, I think, I think early on we had to make some decisions. Like we had to stop coaching some sports that we love. Uh, you know, I stopped coaching baseball and my wife stopped coaching soccer uh, because, you know, it was too much chaos, you know, but we wanted to continue coaching. And so, you know, we did sacrifice some other stuff that we love, but um, we, we just understand that like, you know, sports and community is something that, you know, teaches so much more than what we can teach our kids at home. And, um, we just want them to be around good people as much as possible and good values as much as possible, and we just can't think of a better way than, than what we're doing right now. I'm just curious if maybe one of your kids on a, on a Halloween before is dressed up as, as, a, as a coach. I'm just, I don't know, just curious. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Uh, they, they, are, they are the typical, you know, uh, you know Spider-Man, you know, whatever. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. Uh, they – 
you know, my boys like sports a little bit, but they're more into Legos and, and <laughs> you know, Spider-Man and what else? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, uh, you know, and my daughter's into, you know, trying to think that she's older than she is and being a teenager when she's only 10, you know. Um, so, you know, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're they definitely, I, I don't know if they know, you know, they realize what we do, but, you know, they're more focused on, you know, stuff that they think is cooler than us. But if you were to ask them what they want to be when they grow up, that you will get a coach out of them. That's what they want to <laughs> <Nice>. do. So, <laughs> And I tell them they're not allowed to. So. <laughs> Start them young. All right. Well, guys, appreciate the time. It was fun catching up with you guys. Of course, Jeremy, I'll see you this afternoon. Good luck on uh, the district championship game against Charleston. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was uh, head coaches. Meredith and Jeremy Brinkmeyer here on the SEMO Scramble. That, that was a, a that's a fun dynamic. I mean, that's why I wanted to have both of them on. Clay is you don't see that very often. A lot of times, you you know, you have one one coach per family, and it's everything dedicated to that. But I mean, it's pretty cool how they support each other. They 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 bounce ideas and questions and things off each other, and you know, in a way that that's probably helped them. Yeah, and the thing is, is like. They're two both like very very successful head coaches that do terrific jobs with their program and they're just great people to work with. So yeah, just appreciative of them joining us and always appreciative of the time that they give me when I need a story or talking to them after a game. And so yeah, just uh, big thanks to them. All right, so thanks again to Meredith and Jeremy Brinkmeyer of Notre Dame talking to us here. All right, we're gonna round out the show next. Talk a little St. Louis Cardinals baseball because guess what? They are opening. Uh, spring training, their first game is this afternoon, believe it or not. Uh, talk about a little SEMO sports as well, along with the St. Louis Blues. So stay with us. You're listening to the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. back in final segment of the SEMO scramble here on SEMO ESPN radio Clay Harrell of the Southeast Missourian Rusty Hendrickson glad to have you along for the ride as hey it is spring training and it's already game time as the Cardinals play their first actually a a split squad doubleheader today Clay as they'll play in uh, Port Lucie and also there in Jupiter as you can see the the game in Jupiter on uh, Bally's as well as that's coming up uh, at around noon. But uh, it's fun to finally have some baseball back, talking a little Cardinal baseball. We've talked about them in this offseason. We've had some interviews with some of their players during the Cardinals caravan, and nice to finally get uh, get going a little bit again. Yeah, ready for another year of mediocrity and 83-79 oh. and 79 season, and we'll lose the Central to the Reds. But as you can tell, I'm very high on this team this wow. year. Very optimistic there is uh, Clay. Uh, look, I don't want to go deep into some of the some of my thoughts on the Cardinals, but I do think they got a chance uh, to win the Central. And, you know, if a lot of people are, are giving them as the favorite, and that's fine. Um, but I do think there's room to grow, and a lot of things will have to go right. You know, the front office, you know, they're going to have to make some moves in the uh, – you know, in the, around the trade deadline as well, I think, to give them a push. But for this first month of the season, I think, Clay, we're going to know who this team is, if this team can make a run, or what they can do. Again, out of the first month. So they need to jump out of the gate and be strong. But 
I want to ask you, you know, about spring training. Who are some players that you're most excited about to watch and to see and see what they can do? Oh, that's a good question because it feels like you kind of run into like just there's so many guys that you want to see. I was can I give you mine? Yeah, I would love to see Thomas Ajacy. Yeah. He's a guy that I really want to take a look at. Um, potentially a backup infielder, a guy that look he's probably not going to get uh, on the opening day roster, but a guy that'll play in AAA. That you know, hey, there's an injury comes comes for the Cardinals in the middle infield, in particular at second base. Uh, he's a guy that could be brought up and maybe maybe help this team out. The other guy is Victor Scott. Those two guys um, really stand out on the position player side. Victor Scott, an outside chance. You know, if Tommy Edmond is out for a while, uh, outside chance he could make the club as a center fielder. And then the third would be uh, T.K. Roby uh, as a pitcher. He's the, the main pitcher I want to see and to see what he can do. And, again, from what I understand, from what I've learned from some of the, the experts, so to speak, uh, for minor league baseball, he's a guy that at least has the upside to be a top arm in the rotation. If he can can feel that down the road, who knows? But would love to see him as well. Yeah, I think just thinking of, you know, it feels like, there's there's always a caravan of guys, right, that kind of come up and down, and and it feels like it's mainly on the pitching side. But it can have with position players. But in terms of that, like thinking that way, I'm kind of intrigued to see what Gordon Graceffo has uh, this spring because I think that's a guy that can maybe be on the Memphis shuttle, kind of yeah. going back and forth between Memphis and, and here. Uh, obviously, I'm excited to see Tink Kent throw this spring too, uh, just to see the kind of the strides he's made. Uh, I was telling you before the show, I think – Obviously, picking up Sonny Gray is great, and believe it or not, I know I was being very negative. Like I, I love Sonny Gray. I've been, have you been seeing the videos of him at spring training? Like he's taking control of like leader. He's a leader. Like I love seeing the videos. That's a great pickup. I think the the guy I'm most excited to see though is Kenyon Middleton. I think that could be a very very good piece in that bullpen, and that's a guy that I'm I'm excited to see him play this break. And then, obviously, like Goldie and Arenado. Just obviously, I I know last year probably wasn't the year they wanted, so. This is kind of where it starts, right? You don't put too much stock into spring, but this is where you start to maybe build some momentum and ramp up and get ready for opening day. And, and I'm intrigued to see kind of the spring they have. And then Nolan Gorman, they said he's lost a lot of weight, so maybe that cuts down the back issues. So taking just a step aside from this year's team, I do want to put this out there and get your thoughts on it. There's a report saying that Albert Pujols, uh, is going to be a manager of a Dominican team, and that he has expressed interest. You know, he he's been on MLB Network as an analyst and and done some pretty good work there. So he's kind of dipped in toes into that. So staying around baseball, but he has some interest in coaching and has an interest in potentially being a manager in the majors at some point. We have talked about Yadier Molina and that he manages, um, you know, for Puerto Rico, and he's a guy that also has talked about potentially uh, wanting to manage in the future. So, if you had your pick, let's say the Cardinals' first uh, couple of months of the season, they fall f- f- uh, flat on their face, Clay, and don't play well. There's a lot of rumblings trying to get rid of Ali Marmel. If you had the pick, would you want to pursue Albert Pujols as your next manager or Yadier Molina? Eh, it's Yadier Molina, and I don't really actually think it's close. Like, uh, I just I, if I can't I shouldn't say what I would do if Albert Pujols is ever a manager in the major league. I just don't think it happens. I don't I don't see that Molina like it makes sense like it makes perfect sense. He was a catcher and it feels like the catcher to manager pipeline is a real right. thing. And I know like I was trying to think before you asked me the question like who like first baseman that have been managers like my mind goes like Don Mattingly was like first base to manager. 
but I can't like think of many that have made kind of that pipeline. And that's not to say that it can't happen, but it feels like the catcher position being that kind of natural leader, like sees the game from a different perspective, is working closely with the manager and things like that. It's Yadier Molina. It's not close. I honestly, I do think that within three years, Yadier Molina will be the manager of the Cardinals. I could see it, and I do agree with you. I I do think if I had the pick, I would definitely want Yadi as as a manager. All right, let's look at the St. Louis Blues. They play today an early one on ABC, ESPN Plus at 11 a.m. against uh, the Red Wings, who, uh, of course, a lot of former players. Uh, the the tra- Detroit Blues, you mean? Is that The word? Detroit Blues, that's right. Um, Pavel Buchnevich with a hat trick the other night, the shutout by Jordan Bennington. You know, they continue to be up and down, Clay, but... Um, what's your thoughts on the Blues right now? Is it any any coincidence that Buchnevich comes out with a hat trick the same day that Jeremy Rutherford comes out on the Athletic with a trade update on like kind of what their plan is? I don't think they move him, but uh, it's a it's a great like if you've heard me talk, you know I've hated sports a month ago because all my teams are bad. I'm so back. The Warriors are winning the NBA championship. The Blues are winning the Stanley Cup. Oh my goodness! I mean, it's just talk to me. What about the Cardinals? No, (laughs) (laughs) I have no faith in that organization. But like, I'm so back on the Blues and the Warriors. It's great time for me to be a sports fan, Rusty. Now talk to me in a month, and we'll see what happens then. But right now, I'm I'm happy. Hey, it is a doubleheader today for the SEMO baseball team. Get out at the uh, at Kappa Hall. They're playing uh, St. Thomas. They got a loss yesterday, five to three. But you know they got a big win over Murray State the other day. A lot of home runs. Uh, they got a lot of good-looking players and a team that's picked a course uh, towards the top of the OVC. That that's going to be a fun team, I think, to watch this year. Of course, Simo softball playing well. They did lose uh, to Auburn, but uh, again, that's a team that to take a look at. And then of course, Simo basketball final home game, right? Final home game at the Show Me Center for the uh, for the women for the men. So it should be fun there. We got uh, the Rubles coming back to town. That's Lexi right. Lexi and Tori are playing at the Show Me Center today. So uh, uh, always cool to see local players come back. But touching on CMO baseball and just baseball in general being back, baseball is is my favorite sport. Uh, I just being out of Capitol Hall the, the last like I was out there twice this week and it was like seventy degrees. It was perfect outside. It was amazing. And then softball comes home. I think March 9th, I think is it is in Eastern Illinois. Uh, so just, I know I'm going to have the opportunity to, co- uh, to cover them. And so I'm excited covering baseball, softball, all these sports. It's, um, uh, phenomenal weather. So I'm very excited. All right. So SEMO athletics at full swing, very important games today for the SEMO men and women. I mean, I think it's pretty much a must win for SEMO men to have a chance. SEMO women, it's going to be a tough matchup, but again, it's, it's a game that, where they, they really would like to have here today, uh, right now they're sitting in that final spot, is the SEMO women for a chance to play in the OVC tournament. So big games today, a lot going on, Clay, in the world of sports. And so I just appreciate the time this morning for all the listeners out there. And and uh, we'll have you covered uh, for SEMO baseball right here on SEMO ESPN Radio, okay, uh, for SEMO basketball on Real Rock 99.3. And we'll have the contest to the district championship between Charleston and Notre Dame on KZIM 960 and online at KZIMKSAM.com at about 145 for the pregame, 2 p.m. for the tip. All right. Well, uh, if you want to, I'll be at the team of basketball today. I, I had to think of my schedule there for a second. Uh, Rusty's going to have a phenomenal call, Notre Dame Charleston, um, for the fourth time this year. That's still crazy <laughs> to me. Um, but, yeah, uh, busy sports day, so if, it's going to be a little chillier in the last couple of days, but it's still 50 degrees, so 
you can't get out to watch SEMO baseball, the cold weather's not for you, uh, come hang out with me at SEMO basketball or come bother, go bother Rusty at, at Notre Dame Charles because it's going to be a heck of a matchup. Next week, folks, we are going to talk about the NFL Combine and an outlook of the NFL Draft and the chances that maybe Ryan Flournoy could be drafted as a SEMO football alum and into the NFL Draft. We'll talk with uh, analyst Andy Phillips. He's a former player. That'll be coming up next week at 9.30. Should be fun and get his take on the NFL Draft and Ryan Flournoy for SEMO football. All right, for Clay Harrell, Rusty Hendricks saying so long here on SEMO ESPN. You've been listening to the SEMO Scramble. You've been listening to the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. Tune in every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 for a dash of hometown pride right here on the SEMO Scramble. Yes, don't miss the latest news, stores, and stories that matter most to local sports enthusiasts. From the Blue Heel and beyond. Right here on SEMO ESPN 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, the SEMO ESPN app, and at SEMOESPN.com.